if they're not, say, investing in you, they're going to go invest in something else. And it might be something that's going to take them in a really bad direction really fast. So again, people spend, we're consumers, we spend money. We're either going to be spending on things that are going to take us down or potentially investing in things that are going to build us up. Hey, what's up, friends? I'm Vince Del Monte, father, husband, and the OG of online fitness marketing. For more than a decade, I've been committed to helping skinny guys pack on muscle. And after building multiple seven-figure online fitness businesses, I've achieved freedom and financial security through mentorship, hard work, and my passion for fitness. And I want to help you do the same. Recently, I've built the best mastermind coaching program that exists for fitness professionals by giving you the shortest no BS path to grow to six, seven, and even eight figures regardless of your starting level. My coaching was designed to give you the skills, systems, and support to become an industry mover and shaker and build the business and life of your dreams. Hey, what's up, friends? Today is the fifth episode of our Mondays with Men of Bedrock, and we are talking to men who live the bedrock life. These are some of the most rock-solid men we can find. Men of Bedrock are men you can trust. Everything on purpose, consistency, masculinity, leadership, Nothing knocks them off their path as they lead themselves, their families, and their communities. That's what Men of Bedrock are all about. On this week's episode, my brother Adrian is talking to one of my good friends and longtime seven-figure mastermind member, Mark Avens. Mark's company, Lean Body Breakthrough, has been surging over the last year. As you'll hear in this conversation, Mark's growth as a businessman, father, and husband is largely the result of Mark's belief in the power of transformational coaching. For his students, yes, but largely for himself. Mark and Adrian talk about what it takes to be a great coach, how to prioritize serving people rather than making sales, and why Mark chooses to adopt an eternal mindset for his own students. Friends, This isn't cliche crap. I'll vouch for Mark. He's the real deal. Enjoy the conversation. Thanks, Vince. I have got Mark here, and I am excited to have this conversation about the power of coaching. Mark, you ready to roll? Yeah, let's do it. Excited to be here, Adrian. So we have talked actually a lot on our social media, Vince and I, about when we did 75 hard together and we've talked about the guys that were in the group and you were in that group with us when we did 75 hard in the winter of this year. Let me ask you, let's start there because it's kind of how you and I got to know each other. What drew you to doing 75 hard in the group? (laughs) Simple. Uh, I let myself go from the last quarter of the year. Business is booming and holidays and change of season. Everything I tell my students and coaching, and I'm being right off the bat transparent with you, came back from a holiday. We took a week off, but I was really taking like, not the week. It was more like the last couple of months of the year, not focused on my own personal health. And I came back from Christmas and then New Year's, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, who the hell is this? Mm. It was not me. Like, I couldn't believe it. Like, it was, it's really weird. Like when you live with yourself and you don't notice things and you wonder how people can get so big or can put on a lot of weight. And I actually, it happened to me on a smaller scale. But for me, that was a big, that was a big eye opener. When, when Vince, Vince kind of pulled us all together in this like group, Sometimes when people are offered like an opportunity for self-improvement, it's like, hey, you should do this with us. That, that You could have interpreted that like defensively, but you, you, didn't, you didn't see it like that. You saw it as an opportunity. Yeah, because it, it just, you know, sometimes when 
people ask the, you have a question asked to you at just the time you needed to hear that question. It was not even a matter of like, yeah, it was yes. It was not even no that crossed my mind. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think of it being like, oh, does, is he trying to say that I need to to get rid of some of the fluff? <laughs> you notice there's a little the last mastermind, a little loose around the gut. <laughs> but um, no, it was just uh, I honestly feel like God does. He divines. He he divinely intervenes when he needs to, and the right people come around, and it's time and time again. Um, it just happens. Things happen on purpose on not the time I always want them. They tend to happen on purpose. Yeah, I like that. We'll get into more of that because I do think given coaching opportunities, some people see them as opportunities and other people see them as like threats. And so we'll come to that a little bit later. Before we get into that, you are an entrepreneur I'd love to start with this question. Just give us a day in your life, Mark. Like, what do you do? Um, how do you sit, spend your time? Your main focus? When do you spend time with your family? Uh, do it this way, because in Bedrock, we talk a lot about starting at night. So start with like bedtime and then roll into the day. Yeah, bedtime, you know, it's a, that's probably not a, a big challenge because I usually can shut down pretty easily. So for me, I never really struggled. But what I do before I go to bed is has been something that has been enlightening for me. Usually it's just chilling like with my wife or watch a show or, you know, we'll talk or do a little bit of reading and then I'll just kind of turn off and go to sleep. And ever since just reflecting on my day at the end of the day has been really, really helpful. I mean, it doesn't, I I used to think there had to be like, oh, I got to spend 30 minutes or an hour at the end of the day to reflect. And honestly, sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 20, but just, just to come to, Hey, what went well? What didn't I do some wins? I do like what went well, what didn't I learned a little bit of that from Craig Valentine in the past, like kind of end your day and have the brain dump, but then even just made it so simple things, you know, what you even share as well in the meta bedrock, but that's something that's been just been great. So the end of the night, I typically will watch a show or something. Maybe you'll have some conversation, do a little reading. And then I, my wife does her thing. We're in bed and I do a little journaling and that's it. It's simple. It's easy to do. It's not something I have the journal near my bed and it just works. Lights out around when? Uh, typically, uh, ideally about, I love to be nine, but it's usually more about 930. And then you're up when? Give us the rest of the day starting, yeah. launches you. Yeah, what happens next? Launches me morning. I'm up at 430 and I've been doing that for over 10 years. We When we owned a gym, uh, we were up and I was at the gym by 530. So that was just something that, and I love the morning. I'm way less distracted in the morning. I get try to see what worked. I used to work out in the morning. I used to, you know, we ran the gym and then doing deep work and all that kind of stuff. But I found if, if I have a bit of a strategy in the morning, uh, it doesn't always go perfect, but just have, like, if I just woke up and had nothing to do, mm. I would not be getting up at 4.30. <laughs> I mean, the fact that I have stuff I need to get done mm. early and up really until probably a couple months ago where I've been walking part of 75 hard, the outdoor workouts. And that transformed, that transformed into me working towards 10,000 steps a day. Uh, and then that turned into me getting 10,000 steps a day before, uh, before eight o'clock in the morning. So that's been something I've done. And that just means I have to get everything else done earlier done. Like it has to be done. And then my reward is I go out and get my steps in at about six, six thirty in the morning. So you are killing it by eight o'clock, start at night, killing it in the morning, and then 30 more seconds. Give us just the rest of the day. What, what takes up the rest of your time? 
Yeah, everything entrepreneurial life, training my team, taking sales calls, doing coaching, you know, building up for for what I need to do for my my lives that I do for my students, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then I hit the gym in the afternoon, usually about two, three o'clock. My wife gets home from work about 4.30 to five. I try to, we still, I still do a little bit of work. And then we have, we don't do family dinners, I wish as much. Our kids are older, they're doing things, working, my son's in college. So we try to, my wife and I at least have dinner every night together. And we do pretty much every single night. And then when our kids are around, we make sure we have at least one night a week, we're doing dinner with them. And then, um, yeah, I try newest recently to shut down shop on my phone at eight o'clock. Like, like I'm not going to get on my phone after eight. Love it. So you have some great structures in place, you know, but then there's things that kind of like, you know, that derail the, the day things happen, right? You called it entrepreneur life. And what I've, what I've been impressed about your story is that you have coaches in like every area of your life. And I assume they guide some of those things that you're doing, physical, business, parenting, you're, you're vocal about your faith. You have invested highly in parenting. Maybe, and maybe that's the result is you're living these incredibly productive, purposeful, intentional days. What's driven that? Like what has driven you to like invest so heavily in, in your own self-development? Yeah, that's a great question, Adrian. I, I think the I had coaches before. I was in sports my whole life. Some of my best experiences in childhood had been with coaches who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, whether it be soccer or you know any kind of sports. I ran track for years, all that kind of stuff. And then that turned into where I had teachers, professors in college, so forth. And then I remember when we were about to open the gym, I had, um, I had been uh, really just introduced to an amazing a business coach at the time, more for like the gym industry space. But anyway, I worked with him for about a year or two before opening the gym. And then I kind of like said, Oh, I got this. Mm. I, that pursued, you know, a gym that were, was successful, but it kind of capped out pretty early on and we ended up selling it. And I look back on it being an amazing experience, no regrets. The regret is only, I say no regrets because it's exactly how it meant to be. But looking back on it, kind of looking back on that, I'm so grateful I went through it. But the part where it started to change is when I stopped having a coach and stopped having a mentor. After that, when I realized, okay, well, I have I have a coach that's giving me value, say, for business. And that's great. Now business is booming. But as business is booming, then, oh, uh-oh, wait a second. Now i got to put all more time and effort and energy into business wait a second, I have a great family life and I have kids and a wife who need me and I want to make sure that that's helped. So, okay. So I, I really feel like I am I'm not overly coached. I'm actually ex- like, I love coaching. Uh, and if I'm going to sell myself as a coach to other people, who am I to say like, hey, if I didn't have coaches in my life, whether it be one or 10, is like, who's going to really trust me to coach them if they don't even, if they see I'm not working with a coach, regardless of what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. So both you see the results and also for the credibility, there's some reasons that have driven you to coaching. I love to talk because I've had so many coaches. I actually just came back from a cross country meet. My son was running in the city finals and you see, you see all sorts of coaches. You see like the screaming from across the field coach. You see the like come alongside quiet, like quietly instill uh, confidence coach. 
best coaches you've had, what would be the attributes of, uh, let, we're, I think we'll take some time on this, but what, what are some of the attributes of, of a good coach that you've had? I think a good coach is a better listener. Mm. So I think in a, in a sense where coaches want to give you help, they want to assist, they want to tell you what to do or, you know, do it better. But from what I've seen is some of my, you know, my best experience with coaches is when they actually, when they listen to you and you know, when they're listening to you, sometimes they don't even need to say anything back for you to be coached. So, cause sometimes, you know, when you need help, it's sometimes just actually being able to share where you're at and where you're struggling, not necessarily for somebody to tell you to do it this way, but to actually just be able to listen, just to understand a little better of where you're coming from with the hopes, obviously at some point to help. I like that. My, my therapist says to me, you know, someone probably paid a lot of money to get a degree that taught them how to say, Hmm. And I'm like, huh, right? And I do that all the time. Vince actually like roasts me about it because he says when we do podcasts together, I say, hmm, too much. But you're almost echoing back the words to the person who said it to them so they can almost hear it for themselves. So what I, what I, yeah, I, and I was talking to my dad before we talked here. I know you know my dad. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he said, a coach helps you do what you don't want to do to help you become the person that you really want to be. Right, so a coach will help you do what you don't want to do to help you become the person you really want to be. So I want to talk about that for a second. I think my best coaches in life put challenges in front of me, but that weren't impossible. My worst coaches gave me like, like a, you know, let's say I had a swim coach, and he's like, "You're gonna swim four by four hundred, and you're gonna swim all in five minutes." And that was a challenge. I couldn't do that. Like I couldn't. That wasn't a mind over matter. I just couldn't do it. My best coaches gave me those challenges just outside my comfort zone. And, and then when I achieved them, I felt an incredible sense of empowerment. I wanted to ask you, as a coach, how do you find like challenges that are hard but not impossible? Also knowing, and this is the big question I have for an online coach, you've got a lot of people. You can't like customize every single program, can you? Like you, you can't like... I mean, you can't, I mean, unless you charge them, <laughs> right? Like, like yeah. a ton of money. So how do you find uh, like, like challenges that are appropriate that push people without making them feel defeated? That's the big question that I'm working through right now. For me, I think one of my superpowers is I'm an encouraging. I mean, that is where I feel like that's, uh, there's a lot of things I'm not when it comes to coaching, but one thing I tend to be is an encourager. Now I don't want to enable because I still say my encouragement isn't going to help you actually do the work because you still got to do the work you still got to show up, but all you have to do is I know, and your brother talks about stacking wins and I know, I don't know if he coined it or somebody else, but it is something that um, believing just small wins. If you start making those small steps forward, kind of like checking in once and say 75 hard to do everything that you did for that day, that's a little win. It's like, wow, I couldn't believe that I drank that water and did two workouts. And I, you know, I went to bed on time and didn't cheat. And then you do it again tomorrow. And then you stack another win on top of another win. And I mean, it's what I've tried to do with my kids and it doesn't go perfect. Like there, fortunately, you don't have to start. You don't get to start over as a parent. You're a parent. You're once you're a parent, you're a parent. So for, I think of my students as being like, not so much a parent, 
I like to think of it as like, they're my like brothers or sisters. Cause I work mainly with women They're I feel like they're like my, my sister and how I want to treat them. I want you to feel the kind of, uh, the kind of wins and the kind of experience that I've felt. And again, for your own goals, for your own aspirations. And if you can just show them a little glimmer, you know, I, f- I feel like that's kind of the faith journey too. It's partly why I do this. Because I, at the end of the day, I want not just people to get healthy. If I can help point them to who's the one that's taking care of all of us to begin with, that to me is a win. Um, but so, and it's all like, look, what's the alternative? Like the alternative is not attractive in any way, shape or form. But when you don't have at least a, a visual, like have a vision or a why or whatever you want to call it, if there's no vision there, then you're going to like what you're doing is going to be good enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess when you live on the earth long enough and you're around mediocre or you've even pursued mediocre, uh, it's not all that exciting. It isn't like, mm. honestly, I think, I, I think you agree. Life is meant to be exciting. So you talk about a glimmer. Let's, let's talk about that glimmer for a second. Yeah. Sometimes I would phrase that as like, you call them up, right? Like you look at the, you look at your students and you call them up to a higher standard. There's a lot of coaches that want to call people out, right? Call them out. Like, you got to call them out. You got to call that out. You see that? You got to call that out. I'm curious as an online coach, Mark, what do you do when someone just like vanishes? Like they vanish. Like they, you know, they've, and for me, I'm always confused because they've paid and then they like kind of vanish on. And you're like, where are, and I don't want them to fail. I want them to be successful. How do you call them up? Like I could call them out all day. I can tag them in like our, our, our chat and say, where are you at? Let's go. Where are you at? How do you call them up to a higher standard? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, and your dad said, Adrian's going to have really good questions for you. I love it. I love it. So here's what I say to all of my students. And, and it's something that I share right from the get-go is you do need to want better for your health than I want for your health. Mm. And then- outside of that, that's, so I just basically say, you know, you got to want this more than I want it for you. It just, it's with anything in life. I tell my kids, you make decisions there's going to re, be repercussions, whatever you choose, you're going to have to realize that you're going to need to want that and want what that want leads to, right? We've heard that before. So the other thing is that I, and we hold firm and you can ask anybody in our program and my coaches as well, is we hold firm with, we'll never give up on you. The only way you'll lose is if you give up on yourself. That's it. Hmm. So like, we don't chase down. Like we don't chase after. We're not babysitters. We're here to guide you. Um, But we are, we're adults here. And unfortunately, sometimes people, they just never, you know, they've never had people care for them. And I think sometimes that can be scary, especially maybe men. I don't know, women as well. I have them in my, in my group, but I think sometimes when we're men as men to be like, let's just toughen up and we can do this and we'll get through it. And (laughs) then you don't, and then you fail and you fall short. And then what happens? Well, you can't let anybody know because you're a guy, you're the man, like you, you got your business and you got your family and you, like you can't show your vulnerable side. That's not what man um, being a man is all about, right? Like to me, I think that's BS. I think actually the more vulnerable you can be is actually one of the strongest assets you can have because it allows you to realize that you're not perfect either, right? Like we're not perfect. None of us are, right? And and 
that's something I think maybe why I relate well with women is that I don't have a problem. Like I am a crier, like I'll cry. Like I did in one of our, we had a call a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was cause I had a conversation with a woman and I shared with them and this woman was hurting bad. And we talked to women that are hurting, like they're hurting. They're in a lot of pain physically, emotionally, spiritually. And I'm not the therapist. Like I know people have therapists. You mentioned you have one. I'm, I'm not a therapist. I can help guide you. But some things, man, it just like breaks your heart. You know, I was telling, I was talking to my wife earlier in the last three weeks, we heard about three different suicides in the last three weeks. Like, and as one was a younger and then one was a, a father or that we heard from, and it was terrible. And I think with, when it comes to men, we're just, you know, maybe this is going a little off topic, but I think it's important because we're now in a day and age, we're more isolated now than ever before. Mm. Even if we talk like this, we turn off the zoom and I'm in my room. I do, I will do work at home. I'm not around a lot of people face to face on a regular basis. And that's the new world. So somewhat we're living in, which I think is going to make it even harder for people to want coaching, to want to get help or to I'm just going to stay in my shell here and be yeah. safe. Yeah. But people mark are, are this is this is where I struggle with as I'm listening to entrepreneurial podcasts and language and moving into the entrepreneurial space myself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are talked about like their sales, right? You know like yeah, we sold this much, we sold that much, we so yeah, we we you know, that's how it's advertised, 10k month, 20k month, 60k month. You are actually seeing the pain though. Like the role of empathy in a coach is high, isn't it? Like you have to actually see like, you have to see these people. You said earlier on that you had a good coach that saw things in you. I, I know this isn't quite the same way. H- how, do we, how do we encourage coaches to not look at like people as sales and look at them as like human beings? Th- that to me, it, to, frankly, is lacking a little bit when I listen to people talk about had a 10K month, had a 100K month, had a million dollar month. Like, I'm like, what about the people? Like, are, are you serving people or are you selling people? I, I, I curious any thoughts you have on that. Yeah. Um, and I think on the, maybe on the, um, I sound, I sound too idealistic, don't I? I sound like a snob. Like I'm just going to help people Be- because you have to sell, right? You, you have to sell. These are businesses. Yeah. And, but I do, I do think one of the things, and it's, it's a legit question because I've been around it and seeing it as well. And, and I don't want to be a sale. Like we are all, we're all salesmen, right? Whether you're a pastor of a church or a teacher or a parent, we're selling all day long, right? Whether we're selling, Hey, you got to do your work and do well in school. You got to sell to everybody. So it's just sometimes you get where it becomes the focus like it, it's that transactional thing, right? Is a transaction. Well, like a lot of times people see that on the front end, but then um, once they're in, we know we got to get them in and invest, say invest in themselves, but then the lives are changed. Like say, whether it's a million dollar month or a thousand dollar month or 10,000, whatever, that could be a representation of there's lives being changed in there. Like I've seen some of the most amazing, I want to have a successful business but I don't want the focus of my business to just be transactional or the amount of money in my bank account. Why? Because at the end of my life, nobody's going to give a crap how much money I made. They're going to want to, the thing is like at the end of my days and I'm done, I want to basically be in, be done and just at standing there and saying, and listening, good and faithful servant. Well done. Mm. That's it. Mm. Like 
You know, you can't take it. Here's the thing. You probably heard it before. Francis Chan. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm sure you are. You read and you know pastors out no, there. I don't know. Like, yeah, go, go. Yeah. So Francis Chan has his rope analogy. I don't have a rope. I'd show you. And he talks about, um, he talks, and I remember hearing this on a mission trip. We were out uh, on our way to Costa Rica and I was on this bus with a bunch of guys, a bunch of uh, families. There's about 50 of us. And this young girl who was like one of the single girls on the trip. Awesome girl. And she was, we were talking about missions and she was like, yeah, and we had this deep conversation shared with me this analogy that Francis Chan um, had shared about a rope analogy. And the rope is simple. You think of a long rope, you know, on the end of the rope, they have like the tip that's like black, or maybe it's like glued together, those battling ropes you see. And he's like, you think of in life and how our lives are for like Christians, we believe we have, there's eternity, like it's, forever and ever and ever. But for the average person, that's maybe not. Just think of life as being the tip of the rope and the tip of the rope being that like maybe black part, or you can think of like this pen, right? Like here's the pen and like, here's here's the tip here of the rope. So in most people spend all of their days, like, hey, when you're young, you go to school, you get good grades, you do well in school and you work hard, you get a job, career, you pursue that success. And you're living all that time, 40, 50, 60 years, so that you can retire for your last 20 years. Mm. And that's it. That's it. Like, so you're doing all this stuff. Whereas for like the Christian thinks is if, if you're a believer, you believe your whole life you're on this earth and yes, still pursuing success and all that, but there's eternity after and the, the rope goes forever and ever. Mm. But what you do on this life matters, mm. but it isn't so much for the time that you're on here in life. It's for for the remaining eternity that you have potentially after. And I know this maybe is not the topic for conversation, but when you're in that frame of thought, like I think of how many people can I get healthier so that they could be better for their families, better in their world. I can't sell that because nobody's going to buy that. People want to fit in their jeans. They want to look good naked for their spouse. Like, so I'm okay talking about, Hey, how can I help you with what you want with the hopes that that turns into something maybe on an eternal basis for you and generations to come. That's the big picture for me. No, I love it, Mark. You said you're not a transactional coach, and maybe my, what I might say is you are a transformational coach. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I, and I think like when, when Ian Hovind, Vince has coached me, like here's how you do Instagram. You got to post a reel every day. You got to post it, right? So these are like strategies to use. And then I'm on sales calls and guys are like, hey, I read that thing you wrote. And yeah, that's exactly where I am. And I have to remind myself regularly that people are like, it's not just a post for its own sake. People are out there and they're searching and we're trying to get them information that helps make that rope, you know, the, 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 the eternal change in their hearts and their minds. I really, really like that. Thank you for sharing that analogy. Here's the other thing that's helped us is if if they're not, say, investing in you, they're going to go invest in something else. And it might be something that's going to take them in a really bad direction really fast. So again, people spend, we're consumers, we spend money. We're either going to be spending on things that are going to take us down or potentially investing in things that are going to build us up. I like to think, even if I come across sometimes as like, hey, I want to help you, but I also have a living. I have to earn a living to pay for bills and family and all that stuff. And I want you to know that I take full responsibility for my coaching rates, 
but I can tell you that it may be better than the amount of money it's going to cost you to not take care of the things that you need to take care of in your health, fitness, in your body. Totally. So I, I like how you said that. You said, I'm not sure how you come across. I wanted to talk about um, how you come across. One of my favorite books on teaching is called um, The Courage to Teach by Parker Palmer. Highly recommend it for all coaches. And, and he says, we teach who we are. Right. And so, Mark, you know, I've seen your stuff online, your faith. Now, not everyone has a, a sort of a Christian faith or, or some like whatever your whoever you are, maybe you're like, you know, you were a baseball player or maybe you're a, a father of seven. How much of yourself, yourself, like, do you infuse in your coaching? Like what makes. Like, like, how do you talk to yourself about that? Because I know I'm the only Adrian Del Monte in the world. I'm the only, I'm the only one. I'm an original, <laughs> right? So how do you like bring your whole self? Because I think coaches are a dime a dozen. My friend said to me, everyone's a coach these days, but there's not, there, there's only one you. So how do you like trust your own voice? Like what you bring, your authenticity. Um, but any thoughts about like teaching who we are or coaching as we are? That's, that's a great question. So like where you get it from, like what makes you is who you're listening to. Like I start my day and I try to keep my focus on my faith as the first thing in the day. Um, and when I listen to him, it's not even that I feel like I'm hearing God speaking to me, but I do know in scripture and, and where I spend my time and who I listen to and what I, what I read those are all things that just start to shape who I am. And I, I feel like it's a disservice if I don't share it with others. Like mm. it comes with, I don't know if it comes with confidence, I think, because you you get around and when you're coaching, you're going to hear enough no's from people. Like I've heard enough no's in 28 years of doing this from starting out personal training at a community center where I stood in literally in the middle of the gym trying to help old people get in shape. And no, no, I don't need your help. No, I don't, I don't need like, no, 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 no. I've literally heard thousands and thousands of people coming to our gym. No, I'll do your trial, but I'm not joining. No, like I, I like your idea for personal training, but I'm, I don't want to pay the money for it. No, 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 no. Like all those things, right? We hear them all the time and it can beat you down or you can actually use that to fuel you into realizing you're going to get through more no's, but then there's going to be a yes. And then when you have a yes and you see that transformation and then you say, ooh, it's maybe a little bit, I feel like a drug for me. It does fill me up when I do see somebody whose lives transformed. I had a woman I worked with for a year, Adrian, and her husband, I never had this happen before. And her husband sent me a message. This is about in May, her life completely transformed. Like she was just absolutely incredible transformation. <clears throat> and her husband sent me a message and I'm like, uh, um, what did I do? Did I get in trouble? You know, I work with women, but we're all like, everybody knows like, this is how it works. And he said, Mark, where do I send a check for her next year of coaching with you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, her, my wife is completely transformed. And, and he just kind of said all these things. And I was like, wow, I never had somebody. She's now one of my coaches now coaching 20. She's got about 20 women that are under her coaching right now. So not only has she been able to transform, but I was able to help facilitate that so that she can actually help. Didn't even plan it to help me help more women do the exact same thing. Yeah. Like that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Just by being yourself. I, I, I really do like that. Um, so I wanted to ask, 
you standing in the middle of the room there in that gym getting people a lot of people said no why do you think people are reluctant to pay for a coach like mark if i'm not wrong you're spending thousands and thousands of dollars a month or maybe you know every few yeah. months on your coaching you're 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 highly invested uh, like so wh- why would other people say no like like Coaching in my brain is a no-brainer. It calls you yeah. up. I mean, look at what we've said. It's encouraging. It's transformational. It's authentic. Um, it's it, it it gives you a glimmer and it brings you to this higher standard. And yet, people will still say no. Why do you think they're reluctant? Yeah, uh, it comes a little bit back to what I said earlier. Is people are more comfortably uncomfortable now more than ever before in their whole lives mm. like they're the standard of comfort is set so low in other words like there's so much like it goes to it's just let's think of it of like because i work with weight loss so let's just think somebody that's 20 pounds i've had people tell me they don't have a weight problem they're 30 pounds overweight because they have a husband is 80 pounds overweight Ah. The scale is sliding, <laughs> not in a good direction, yeah, yeah. right? Like, uh, so, so there's a, there's this discomfort that, and, and I think the other thing is that comfort leads to you think about it. If you're not taking care of yourself and you're unhealthy and overweight and out of shape and, you know, 60, 80, hundred pounds that really in inside is really just like when you're alone at night, and you wake up and you're going to the pantry and you're eating, or you're going to your freezer and eating ice cream and you're on t- watching TV and you're by yourself and you don't want to go out in public. I hear all these things all the time. Like not the discomfort of that, the low value people place on themselves. And when you're, when you're stuck in a place of like low, low value, you have no regard for your own health or your own self, that becomes comfortable too. It, it just becomes comfortable. Like I'm not good enough. Uh, like why I had a woman one time that told me she had struggled with her weight for 50 years, Adrian, 50 years. She was 68. She said her mom, when she was a teenager, her mom brought her to the doctor and she was overweight as a kid. Now, again, as a kid, that's parenting too. Right. And her, her doctor was like, I guess said something not so nice to the mom. And she slapped her daughter right there in the office. She told me this slapped her across the face that that led to 50 years of struggling with her weight. Like, so there's deep, dark things that people go down and like that kind of trauma. And I'm not saying it's just so much easier and more prevalent now. So that whole thing can lead to you just being completely just stuck. And then that just becomes comfortable. And even though it's just, it's uncomfortable now, people, you know, I don't know if you see it, but people I see now that are 80, hundred pounds, doctors are selling weight loss surgeries. Like it's like drive through almost. I mean, they're selling more weight loss surgeries than McDonald's hamburgers these days. And I'm seeing the result after that. And it's just, it's, it's horrible. Uh, but there, we're at a point now where the standards just set so low and nobody wants to, to step up early on. And people didn't even know what to do. They don't even know how to these days. It's pretty sad. Coaches have to, I mean, we haven't even talked about, does a coach have to be like an expert? We can get to that in a sec, but, but I think what a coach has to do is you have to paint, um, a better, a vision, a better, a better vision for the person, right? Like when I started doing, I've told this story before, but when I first, when I wrote this program, Vince and I are selling, I literally thought Mark that 
I would write it. Vince would write like three emails to his list. I don't know what Vince does online until quite recently. I just knew my brother <laughs> did something. I didn't know what he did. Like he's been doing it's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Right? Legit. Yeah, I'll vouch for him. He's legit. <laughs> but I literally thought Vince would write an email and people would like send us money. I thought that's how it was gonna go. And and anyways, so sales calls for me, I've had to reevaluate what they are. And I started putting them into my phone instead of sales calls. I'd put them in as serve us calls, like serve like serve them or serve us calls. And to me, that was helpful because that's to me what I was doing. I was trying to like say, you're, you're comfortably uncomfortable. This is the low value you're placing on yourself and saying, here's a vision for your future. Do you think that would be helpful? And I found when I, my mindset shifted, it really, really did help me. I don't know, approach those calls with a transformational rather than transactional lens. Do you find any of that when you're like when you're when you're looking at your clients that it's necessary for you to see things in them that they don't see in themselves? Yeah, and and when you asked me about my coaching, this ties right in well, I think. You asked why I have so much invested in coaching. You know why? It gives me a huge amount of confidence. Guess what happens with that confidence? I let people borrow it. Like it's really what it comes down to. There's nothing wrong with borrowing somebody else's confidence until they have enough confidence in themselves. Like that's what, it, look, if you're say a, if you're a well, man or a woman, it doesn't really matter. But if you're out of shape and you can't see the light of you fitting in a size 36 or a size 34 or size from a size 18 to a size 10, but I have confidence because I've done it for a hundred and you know thousands of women over the years, a hundred and a couple hundreds in our online, and show them if we can show them that hey, I'm confident we've done this a lot already. We've done it, and heck, even if you've done it two times before, we've done it. If they can borrow that confidence. That's sometimes all they need to say, okay, I'm going to. I'm not going to open the door in the fence. I'm going to fall. I've been sitting on the fence for years. I'm going to fall over onto your side and allow you to help me. And will you help me? And that's good. You said serve. That's so right on. Like you said that, like when you get on a call, tell me that again. You said something about serving. Yeah, I, I put, I, I write them in my phone. I used to write them as sales calls. Now I write them as serve us calls. That's what I write into my phone. Serve us calls. Yeah. I love it. I have a, I actually wrote this down as kind of crazy because I was thinking of some things and your dad will probably love this because it's, I don't think it's one of his because I actually wrote it down before because we were, you at, I think you were, we were talking about like the element of coaching, like what's the the common element. And I think it's service. It really comes down to that. I think there's really great coaches that are there. They, they want to serve others. They want to help. And I have for, you know, the, as I call the acronym, I'm not the English professor's acronym. So, and you know, your dad has all of those. He has tons of them. Papa Luch, this one's for you. So, <laughs> so serve that serve. So I think of service, like that's the huge element. And I have this for serve is, like stand up, you think like the mafia, like you stand up, like a stand, he's a stand up guy. Like you have a coach in your life that can help stand up for you. Like they help you understand when you don't know how to stand up yet yourself, but, or if you fall down, they're there and there'll be a stand up person for you. So that's the S. The E is the experience. They have experience where maybe you're lacking or where you want to learn to get better. And the experience is going to help. I went to Vince because he had experience online as a coach so that I can actually, who is a literally like you, starting out fresh, you know, online world, had no idea what I was doing four years ago, totally screwing it up. And Vince, I went in, he had the experience and I was like, yeah, this is the guy I want to work with. 
And then why did, why, what did Vince give to me? He gave me the resources. So the R is the resource. Resources, not so much so that I could be more reactive, but so I could respond in a way that would be a positive outcome for my life, for my business, for my health, transformational. The V is the value, which actually comes back into that vision. The value is understanding there is everybody's got a vision for their life. Like, and I didn't really think too much of it other than I just want to have a successful business. Then mm. said, right from the get-go, what's the vision? Why are you wanting to do this? It's been the same for four years. It's still going. It's stronger than ever. And I'm in the direction of, of actually fulfilling that vision, actually creating new visions, which is great. That's the value of the coaching, the V. And then the E, which I think is really the most important part as far as with uh, coaching and service is being in an environment where you can actually succeed. Mm. Like I think environment is everything, right? We know in the last couple of years and even through the course of life, look at the environment I mentioned about that woman who slapped her daughter or the woman who's got slapped by her mom. That's a poor environment. Having a coach and being in an environment where you can thrive and you can actually learn I can't tell you through COVID, just being in an online space and having entrepreneurs who are also in that space, being able to move their businesses forward and serve people and help people and make a difference. I was like, why would I ever want to leave this environment? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. there's my serve. No, that I, one. Love it. I love it. Stand, stand up for you. They have experience, the resources, value, and environment. Love. I, I, you know, I, I hear so many, <laughs> Mark, funny story. When, when we were at, Amy and I came to Nashville to the breakthrough event and we were listening to Frank first speaker and Frank said, you know, everything's got to be a real, you know, in his accent, right? Everything's got to be a real. And I turned Amy and, and this shows you how inexperienced I am. I said, see, it's good. It's good. We're authentic. I, I thought he said real, like R E A L, <laughs> not, not, not like an Instagram reel. And, and sure. I look back on that now, just six months ago. And I'm like, I had no, I, like, I, I don't have an Instagram account. And so being in that environment, just for those two days, I was like, wow, this really like opened my eyes to a world I thought I knew enough about, but really didn't. So uh, I, I, I love, love, love. So let's say we've persuaded someone, they're going to get a coach. Yeah. Give me a couple things that you do to get the most out of the coaching experience. So let's shift now from, you know, we've been talking about tips why you should coach, attributes of coaches. How about being a good student? Like at, once you're in a coaching program, what are the things that you do to maximize like like the, the time, the experience in, in, with, with your coaches? To get the most out of it is to realize it's all temporary. Like all of it, all the wins, all the losses. I heard this, I can't remember from, uh, when you have a win, flush it down the toilet. When you have a loss, flush it down the toilet and keep moving forward. Like celebrate it, right? Like do what you need to do. Even celebrate the loss to know that, hey, you're probably doing something that's risky. And you know what? It's probably if you did fail at that, it was a risk you took. And you know what? It's not going to, time is not going to stop for that failed attempt. Like you can keep going and keep moving forward. But as far as student, I always, the one thing I've had to embrace is you're going to get great help and great coaching and, you know, great tips and strategies and all those things. And they're not always going to work. And I'm not like the whole, like stay in your lane. I don't like that phrase, like stay in your lane and, you know, focus on you. But I, I do like the fact that like you are 
you are doing this for you. You're not doing it for the person that had a better month than you. You're not doing it for the person, you know, you're even not necessarily doing it for your family. You, you need to be doing this for you. This is your transformation, your life pursuit that you're doing this. Do this for you. It will have all those positive outcomes and there may be some negative ones. But I always like to say to especially the younger guys, because I'm one of the older guys in the group, right? <laughs> Let's just say, and for somebody at 50 that's pursuing online coaching, and I feel like I'm sometimes the slowest one in the group, but I'm resilient and relentless. Like I'm not going anywhere. Like I want the young guys to know, like you have to, you're going to be fighting against me because I've been doing this a long time. Like I know what I'm doing and I have the track record, but I have no like online world and all that stuff. So there's always going to be somebody better than you, richer than you, more, you know, good looking than you have more tips and tools and more people in your program. And chances are you're probably right exactly where you need to be. That's what I've come to claim. Like, I really believe that where I'm at today, as much as I'd love to have, you know, more people in my program, more money in my bank account, more freedom in my days, more relationships and all that stuff. I truly believe, and that's from my faith, is that God has me exactly where he wants me to be right now, today. And if I can just learn more how to be present with where I am, like now with you here on this, that's enough. Yeah. So a huge part of how you're getting the most out of this coaching is just the mindset you take into it. You're taking in a mindset that is really about enjoy this process. Can I ask you that? Because everybody says, enjoy the process, the results will come. Is that cliche or is that true? Uh, and it was, I was thinking of this the other day because I was reading, I just finished a book, The 12-Hour Walk. Have you read that book? No, I haven't. But it's a phenomenal book. Anyway, so, so I was thinking about my days in triathlons and I used to do triathlons and uh, I did one and, I, and it was a half Ironman St. Croix and I trained terribly for it. I lived in New York at the time. There's no hills, barely swam. I did a spin bike for my cycling and I got my ass kicked, literally. And I remember I got done with it. And I remember my wife and girlfriend at the time, she was there and it was like the whole town left because I was like one of the last people. Cause I got to the top of the hill. <laughs> they're they're taking down the finish line. It was, terrible. <laughs> it, was, it was miserable. Let's just say I, yeah. the, my phrase one and done, that was one and done one half <laughs> hour and I was done. That was that's it. it. That's it. It took me like 20 hours. Now it was like twice as long as I had anticipated taking. Cause I cramped up on the top of this hill called the beast. And I got up to it and I got up, I climbed it. And then I went downhill fast and my both hamstrings cramped up and I flipped off my bike and I literally had 25 miles and a whole half, half marathon to run after that. I got done with it. I can look back now. I'm sharing that I did a half Ironman. The training I didn't do and the stuff that I was doing. And after that, when I started to train, I realized it was the process that like, what I talk about being in it. Because once you get to that, when you get to the finish line, you know, it's not the finish line. It's, it's you look back on all the things that you did to achieve or to even have a chance to get to the finish line. Like, so for me as an online coach and an online business entrepreneur, it's looking back now at the last two, three years, the gap or gain kind of deal, right? And looking back and seeing like, hey, it wasn't perfect, but I'm still here. Like I still have another day. I hopefully have more days, 
But man, look at how far I've already come. And that to me is the true value. It isn't trying to race to get to a certain number in your bank account or or because then what happens when you do? I've been around personal training. This is the one thing as a trainer. And I used to work with, you know, billionaires. I worked with a few billionaires. If you have like people had lots and lots of money. And I remember from some of them, a couple of them specifically, like, hey, I chased a corporate ladder, I made all the money, climbed up the ladder. And I realized that I was on the wrong ladder. Mm. Climbed up the ladder. I looked at life. It was great. I had all finances, resources, and all this stuff. And my life was miserable. Like I've had a number of people tell me that over the years. So one of the things as I pursue a successful career, I want to make sure while I have coaches around and mentors is to help me stay on the right ladder, or at least stay focused to keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah, That's like that. Stay on the right ladder. So I, I like that a lot. Um, so, you know, I was, I was actually thinking when I asked you, like, how do you, how do you be a good student? I thought you were going to say things like, well, you go on all the calls and you ask for help when you need it and et cetera, et cetera. But so much of this is just about your why it's your why, like, why are you doing this? So that's going to be my last question. Talk about your family a little bit, your, your wife, Nicole. I mean, you talk so affectionately about her. One of the things that I always struggle with is someone with a great business, a booming business. You find out they 10x this and 30x that, and then you find out they had a divorce or an affair or or, or they're miserable or, or whatever. I don't, I don't want to judge. Everyone has different situations in their life. But my, my, my question sort of is, how much does like you as a father in the second half of life, statistically, maybe you'll go to 110, but statistically second half, of, how does your family like drive your actions day to day? I did grow up in a, I say, relatively good home. Like I said, I look back and there was things that were always, there wasn't perfect, but my, my dad was, he worked hard. My mom raised us and my dad worked hard and I had good structure in my family. So I definitely say that having that was already in my advantage because I know there's broken homes and people in divorced families and all that. I also know I've been around enough, you know, people in my life, friends, family members I had broken families, broken relationships, all that stuff. It's to me as a guy, it's not very attractive. Like that's not something like, again, there's some people that pursue that would rather just be single and have all that life. Um, But I can tell you, like I've dated enough people in my past before I, before marrying Nicole, when I got to a point where I met Nicole was about 27, 28. Like it was, you know, it's so cliche to say the love at first sight, but it was once we got to meet and connect, it was different. And I would say is there's no way I'm letting go of this one. Like, Mm. and that was like the start of it. And it's just interesting because it hasn't been perfect. We've gone through hell and back. There's been, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. We've gone through literally hell and back between family crisis and my son's five neck surgery, like all kinds of stuff. And I can share a little of that, but We've gone through wars. We didn't win every single fight, you know, and but we did get in all the fights because you had no choice when you're in a family. And that's grown our relationship. That's, you know, 20 years is almost like unheard of nowadays in marriages. Like, yes, you hear people in the past, next, the generation before me that are living, you know, they have 40 year marriages and like your parents, I think have been married for 40 something years, right. Or more than that. Vince is 42. So yeah, probably they're they're approaching 45, uh, 45 years, which is amazing. Uh, Partly why I'm I'm around your dad. Like that's, I value that. 
And uh, it just makes me see like, what are like the vision you have for your life? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to be in a broken relationship and have kids that hate me. And so you, what's going to grow is what you focus on. I was willing to take a little longer direction for my success in my business. And it's been, it's been a long road, 28 years, but I'll tell you what, I feel like the richest man in the world with, with what I have in this house, you know, and out in this world, like I have two kids, two teenagers, 17, 19, who are, they think for themselves. It's not perfect. They struggle. They're teenagers. Right. But I can tell you, like, I look at the alternative, you know, helicopter parents are what they call now snow plowing parents, you know, and they're just bulldozing their kids future for them. They're instead actually, of Mark, make Mark, it. Here's another one. Zamboni parents. They're like smoothing out the ice, right? Anyways, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's totally it. Like, and you know, I love, it's hard to do that, especially when your kids are around privilege. We're around privilege. Like we are in a pretty privileged area. I think any American families for the most part. Um, and that's something that I would say has probably been one of the hardest things as a parent. We chose not to put our kids into travel teams and sports all the time and the expenses and all that. We put them purposely in a public school. I was like, there are things we were intentional about. And my wife and I are high-fiving each other now for some of those things that we did. Not everything, because we definitely made mistakes. But um, what we're seeing uh, is just the fruit of what we invested in over the last you know 20 years. So and back to my wife and kids and stuff, you, you know, asked about that. They're like, that's more important to me than any dollar amount in my bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Love yeah. it, Mark. Well, um, before I le- uh, have you let people know where they can find you, let me summarize. Great coaches are mm-hmm. encouragers. They are visionaries. They are servants. They are authentic. And I think what I really did here today, I like how we, we kind of came to this one. Great coaches are transformational. They are really interested in people changing, not just uh, uh, paying their fee, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Uh, Mark, where can people find you online? Yeah, I would say, you know, good old Facebook. I'm an old guy. So I'm on Facebook in the old social place. Uh, I I, I dabbled in Instagram. You might see some old stuff on there. You could probably find me in different areas like TikTok, but main, main source would be Facebook. And uh, yeah, Mark Avens just there. Uh, other than that, I'm usually around the Del Monte. So wherever the Del Montes are, the crew, I'm <laughs> around them as well. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. like to say I'm like a fanboy, right? Yeah, no, no. We have our first groupie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyways, Mark, thank you for being here with me today. This has been so great. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you again, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you. Yo, yo, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a ton of value. And as a token of my appreciation for enjoying the show, if you don't mind leaving a five-star rating as well as a genuine review, whether it's a sentence or a paragraph, that's up to you. I would like to extend my gratitude by sending you a free sample of my all-day energy formula, Preload. It is the world's only all-day energy and focus formula, and you will love it. All you got to do is head on over to iTunes, leave a rating, leave a review, take a screenshot, and then send it over to me on my Instagram account at Vince Del Monte with your home address, and we will get that shipped out. You are amazing. Thank you, and we'll see you in the next episode.